All right, lads and lasses, and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's original, best, favourite, probably the only Newcastle United dedicated podcast going. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about the status of the current transfer window. Got some good news to mention in a little while. And after that, we'll get into a, a bit of a preview of the Watford game uh, at home uh, on Sunday. Well, Sunday for us, Saturday for everyone else in the UK. Super duper mega important game and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit so today i've got craig joining me up in clammy kens how are you going craig i'm good mate yourself i'm champion mate did you lose your razor uh, i did i and uh you know i thought i'd attempt to grow a beard but it looks like i've just i look like a boiled egg i just fell on a barbershop floor <laughs> <laughs> looks like you've been in a carpet fire mate <laughs> Uh, we're all friends here. We're all friends. We are. Uh, and uh, we were supposed to have Mark join us, but he's had to bail out. Um, but very happy to welcome uh, a new guest to the show, um, Dexter the Dex. Dex, how are you going, Dex? I'm very good, lads. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, and look, just a big thanks from me for you uh, putting this show together. It's fantastic having lived in Oz oh, for 18 years to just see how well you've done over this last six weeks or so. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's been entirely your pleasure. Um, I think it's fair to say that you've been probably our number one fan since the day we got started. Um, for a while, our only fan. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you've, you've been involved in in, the, in all the chat. You, you watched the first live view as well. I remember that quite well. Um, so you've just said a little bit there about the podcast, but in your own words, um, could you describe to us why this podcast is the best podcast in the world? And by the way, you know, shower us with your prayers, get your big horse, get your sticky prayers all over Craig. He doesn't mind it. Um, why do you love this podcast so much? Well, I think it's kind of, you know, obviously you know, I'm English, but I've lived here 18 years. And I'd kind of consider myself, particularly after this last lashes, to be, be an Aussie now. You know, my kids were born here. They're raised here. They're Aussies. And I think what's, you know, really great about this podcast is it's not just a bunch of expat Geordies, you know, talking about the good old days. It's actually got Aussies here who I can't figure out why would have decided to make Newcastle their club. And uh, it's it's great, right? It's like I just found out my we moved house about six months ago and uh, my boy who's made friends with another boy, his dad's a Newcastle fan. And he's born and raised in New South Wales, right? <laughs> so you kind of, well, I think what's happening is we're now starting to see all these Aussie Geordies kind of come out from oh, under right. the under their rocks as well. So it's a, yeah. I think obviously it's a, it, it's a great time for the club. I, I count myself fortunate, and then when I moved out here, um, I think six weeks later, Sir Bobby Robson was sacked. And so I've kind of missed you know, the last 18 years of, you know, what has been a you know, pretty bleak time for the club. And I think mm. it's fantastic now that, you know, we've got this, this fresh start, new owners. Um, and, and look, what better way to, um, you know, kind of give the, you know, the club like a global appeal and a global presence. Like it, it did, you know, when back in the mid-90s when you had Shearer and Ferdinand, Janola, Spreer, um, it, I think it's just great to, to be able to get the voice out. And plus, look, I'm sick of walking around seeing Liverpool and Man City shirts everywhere. It's about time we've got some black and white stripes that weren't Holland Wood <laughs> out here in Hoss. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Also known as the Magpies, of course. 
I was expecting you just to say roll a bunch of handsome bastards, but yeah, I guess your answer was pretty good as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, but then yeah, Craig ruined it by not shaving tonight. So. <laughs> Fucking Craig. Always I'm making effort next time, don't worry. No, I, we know. Um, so, Dex, uh, cheers for that uh, uh, praise there. We always love praise. Good to have you on board. So next, we're going to move on to the transfer market, get into all this lovely conversation about the speculation and all this lovely dosh that's getting spent, including an announcement that was just made before we came on. So let's get straight into that next. All righty, all righty. Let's get into the transfer market speculation and confirmations and all that good stuff. So as I've hinted to about three times now, great news just before we came on air is that uh, Newcastle United have confirmed the signing of Chris Wood. He's been signed, I believe, on a two-and-a-half-year contract. Uh, I've been a fan of uh, Chris Wood for, for a good few seasons now. He's a big lad, puts himself around a bit in the box. You know, he doesn't give anyone any kind of time on the ball. He's always getting around the back of people. Um, he can slot in. Uh, to those little holes and get his toe on the end of things. He's an excellent header of the ball. He scores a lot of goals with his head. A bit like Shearer in that respect. Yes, all right, he's 30. And yes, all right, probably isn't exactly the kind of signing that we had in mind when the, the takeover happened. You know, we haven't got Messi. We haven't got uh, Ronaldo. We haven't got Mbappe. But um, we've got Chris Wood. And I tell you what, they've made it a priority at the club, I think, because um, it's fairly obvious, even from the fucking Cambridge game, that we cannot score a goal. doesn't matter how much possession we have. Especially if the team parks the bus, there's no chance we're going to score a goal. We're absolutely useless at it. And on top of that, of course, Wilson's got crock, doesn't he? So so there's Chris Wood, signed up front. Craig, first thoughts on that one? First thoughts would be not my first choice of striker, but I can totally see why the club went for him. Experience, he's got the ability, he knows the league, and he's not going to take any time to settle in either. He'll be able to hit the ground running. And hopefully you can get off the mark with a debut goal against Watford. And that'll silence a few critics already, to be honest. Well, he's got three goals this season. In, he, in the last four seasons, he's been getting double figures. He's on three now. It would be nice if he got another 10 by the end of the season. Um, starting at Watford would be would be very nice, yeah. Dex, what do you reckon? Yeah, first thought, similar to Craig, was like, yeah, more a thought about it. You know, it wasn't just uh, the, the goals that he might give us, nor the fact that we were taking them from Burnley. But I think... More that what a, a big man up front does for the defence. If you look, a lot of the goals that we've conceded, I mean, sp- especially the last few few games, it's been Shelby and Vassell's playing passes between each other. And it's it's almost been like a perfect through ball for for the at- attack of the opposition. And I think the reason, you know, they've, they've had to do that is just we don't have anybody up the pitch where they can just lump it. Um, I mean, how's insisted on trying to play it out from the back just don't have the defenders and we've not had the outlet further up the pitch to just be able to punt it keep a bit of possession make a transition or just take some heat off the defense so i think you know the, the signing of chris wood i think will impact both ends of the pitch in a positive way and then look we got another you know six foot odd person to help out at set pieces as well at both ends of the pitch so look i think it's really common sense signing not you know the, the glitz, but really common sense. Yeah, I think he's going to be a... As long as he doesn't get injured, he has a tendency to have a recurring uh, thigh injury, I think. But as long as he stays fit, I think he's going to be tremendous for us. You know, you've got Frizz down one wing. You're going to have Trippier now down the other wing. St. Maxi, if he could ever pull his finger up, might actually cross the ball at some <laughs> point. 
um, instead of doing like a tap dance over the ball all the time. But it's a good point, actually. I never really thought about it. But yeah, it, it might help us have a target man. That means we don't have to fanny around at the back. I mean, you see the defence, but bloody hell, Dubravka is... A, Every time yeah. he gets the ball and he goes to look to do some kind of short pass, I'm shitting my pants. Because yeah. it looks like he's shitting his pants. And I can understand why they want to do it. I mean, we, for so long, we've been just hoofing that ball, half the time crossing right over midfield, leaving all of our bloody midfielders out of it, and just launching it to the front. And nine times out of ten, it lands to a defender or one of their other players, and it, they just recycle a ball and come right back at us. Yeah. So it's actually a pretty good point about that um, the, at the back there. Um well, we, we did have a defensive season with Rondon up front as well, right? I think you know him going has been a big, you know, it's put a lot of pressure on the defence. Yeah, you say that. I mean, he's done absolutely knockdown at Everton, um, but maybe there's other reasons for that. So I just mentioned there the fee. So it depends on who you believe, but it's either £20 million if it was sanctioned by the chairman of Burnley, um, and I've seen that reported, or it's £25 million if it was a release clause. Quite a lot of money, but you know, in, in this day and age... For an experienced goal-scoring striker, all right, he's 30. But that's actually not a huge amount of cash. And anyway, we're absolutely minted. So do we have, did anybody have any problems with that fee? Do you think it's um, it's going to be like an anchor around his neck like it was with Joe, big Joe there, when he had his 40 million price tag that was weighing him down? No, nah, I don't think so. I think he's got the experience to put that way past him. And uh, I think Burnley, they confirmed that we did match his release clause in a tweet from themselves. So I think it is right. 25 million. Um, right. So that's official. Um, but yeah, I think he's too experienced to let that get him. Joe, he didn't really have any experience at all in any big leagues or anything. Plus, he was mm-hmm. playing a lone striker and he's not even a striker. Whereas Chris Wood is 100% a front man, a target man, and a natural finisher, which, as we've seen against Cambridge, something we lack so bad. So I'm really looking forward to him to hit the ground running against Watford. Oh, I, I can't wait for this Watford game now, to be honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. Tari signing a winger like Trippier, well, fullback like Trippier, who can get up the wing. But if there's knee bucket to pass it to, uh, you know, you've still got the same problem. So I, I kind of wait to see what he does in a black and white me. Um, I think he's going to be brilliant. Um, I hope I don't eat my own words here, but I, I have thought he's a decent striker for a long time now. So remains got, to be he's seen. Hero's status written all over him, this signing. So he's sucked off Burnley, one of our relegation rivals. Yep. He's came to the Mighty Mags, and if he scores a few goals and relegates them and keeps us up. Character-wise, he's the kind of character that we need, right? Now. Geordie's a, the, the Geordie crowd would really respond to, I think. You going to say something there, quick? It's got a whiff of uh, Daryl Murphy about it, hasn't it? When we're in the championship. Yeah. How much would we pay for him? It was like 20 pence in a bag of... <laughs> I think it was a Sports Direct mug and a pair of Donny socks, I think. Um, I'm one of them mugs. The fucking handle fell off. I'm still not happy about that. <laughs> Let me guess you didn't get a refund either. It was broken in the box. It came, I didn't ask for it. It came in the box and it was fucking broken. <laughs> I don't want to use the phrase the striker we didn't want because we, we would have taken anybody with experience. But if he can get those goals, which are vital goals, don't have to be pretty goals, don't have to be spectacular goals, they just have to cross that line. And that is the most important thing for us right now. Even if they're bouncing off his left arse cheek in the 93rd minute, it's still going to count. Um, that's the type of thing you've got again as Dex said maybe that cult status coming if mm-hmm. you can't get those all important goals and Daryl Murphy I mean he's I wouldn't say like godlike status but he had uh, six months with us and he performed miracles and everyone expected him to flop but again it was we utilised the way the wingmen to get the best out of his game mm-hmm. and if we don't do the same with Chris Wood then we're missing the trick 
because I think it was Sky Sports have put up a stat. He's got the number one statistic for heading ability in the Premier League this season, which mm-hmm. if we don't utilise that, then again, we're just shooting ourselves on the foot. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about that Cambridge game, the amount of times that somebody went to take a shot and the fucking thing flew over the top of the Gallagher or, or the laser's end and bounced off the moon and went into <laughs> orbit. I mean, yeah. it was absolutely disgraceful, I, man. I, it was thought it was at, I thought it was at the SCG watching the Swannies. Uh, well, it definitely wasn't watching England because they couldn't hit the ball either. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I think we can all agree that's going to be a pretty exciting uh, sign. And I think the one thing I really like about Chris Wood is that he, he isn't one of those kind of players who just stands there waiting for the ball to come to him. He'll actually he'll take the um, the initiative himself, you know, and he'll make something happen. Um seen a few clips of him where he picks up the ball, runs around half the defence, then manages to score a goal still. So I'm really looking forward to him uh, giving us that bit of nous up the front, uh, you know, instead of people just standing around like statues waiting for the bloody ball to come to them. So, all right, so great. So that's being confirmed by the club this morning. So that's this morning, England time. So that's uh, brilliant news. Uh, let's move on now to the first sign of the transfer window, which was, uh, we've mentioned him already, Kevin Trippier. So he came from... Atletico Madrid, 31, another kind of OAP, I suppose. Um, a much-needed right-back defender. Uh, and surprisingly, I mean, I didn't think this would happen for the Cambridge game, but surprisingly, he got on there for his debut. I haven't seen the full 90 of that Cambridge game. I've just seen bits and bobs of it because I couldn't bear it. But did either of you lads watch that whole game? And what were your first impressions of of him uh, in the Newcastle team against Cambridge? Well, I watched the full 90 minutes, and uh, you were solid, uh, very composed. You wouldn't think he was a new signing, just straight in and got his head down and grafted. Um, he very, very solid. Uh, wouldn't like to say he put a foot wrong. A uh, few chances where he could have maybe done better with a few uh, free kicks, but he'll find his feet eventually. Uh, he's got the experience, he's got the nose, and he's got that international experience as well, which is, I think, if anything, is going to pay dividends on the, the stage we're at now. Having that type of experience of uh, European finals, semi-finals, that sort of thing, the big game pressure is not going to bother him at all. He's played in much, much bigger games, and his influence is just going to rub off on the rest of the team. I think. Yeah, well, he's an England international. That's that's great. I mean, well, I should say he was an England international. Without any doubt, Southgate's probably going to forget he exists now that he's at Newcastle. Um, Dex, your thoughts on on Trippy in general, and and if you watched that Cambridge game, his, uh, his yeah, his I watched. I watched. I watched it, and it was kind of. You know, I mean, second half was was abysmal, but Trippier was consistently good throughout. I think the thing that really got me was at the end, where you know he's chasing the likes of Dubravka and ASM to get back out and applaud the the fans. Um, yeah. I think what it kind of. I think what it does for me is it it now sets the bar, you know, high around getting winners, people that are accustomed to winning into the team. And th- those standards, which I just think, you know, we've become that accustomed to losing. It's it's almost like the teams kind of um, supporting each other because they're losing the whole time rather mm-hmm. than kicking each other up the backsides and saying, hey, look, you know, this is unacceptable. We have to play to a much higher standard. Um, and I think that was the thing that kind of reassured me about Trippier. i got to say, after the Cambridge game, though, I, I came away from that thinking you're going down. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of problems in this camp. That you know they're kind of pretending everything's all good and we've got a great spirit, but I'm kind of you know I'm starting to see some cracks there, which I hope you know players like Trippier can really come in and galvanise players and you know give players like ASM 
you know, kind of show them, hey, look, mate, I've scored in a World Cup semi-final. Like, you know, get back yeah. in track back, right? Give me some help. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually going to ask about that because um, I thought it was ASM and Big Joe that he was screaming at to come back out. Uh, you're saying Dubravka there. It might have been all three. Dubravka was there as well, yeah. It's a bit... It's, it's really disappointing to see embedded players just waltzing off the pitch like that. But do you think that... I mean, to me, it seems a bit strange that a new person playing his first game for a new team, albeit he's got lots of experience, would then kind of just start barking orders at um, his brand new teammates. But do you think that is something that Eddie Howe has identified a, a need for in the team? I mean, Lascelles is a captain, but and, and he kind of does bark sometimes at the back four, but you didn't really see him talking to anybody else. Uh, not I can think of off the top of my head anyway. And I wonder if uh, Eddie Howe has just thought, you know what? Um, if we get uh, Trippier in here, he's got leadership qualities. I, I believe he's got leadership qualities. I'm going to ask him to give them hell on the pitch, basically. Like if they're slagging uh, in whatever way, I'm going to give him the authority to basically go under there and kick them up the arse. Do you reckon that's a, a trait that um, Eddie Howe has identified in Trippier, or was that just Trippier using his experience, realizing that we've just got beaten by a League One team and thinking, oh, I'm not having this on on, on my debut? I do think it's uh, a bit of both. I think he's uh, again uses his experience. He's trying to dupe his new teammates because they're obviously going to be a bit flat. And he has come from, as like Dex said, a winner mentality in uh, Atletico Madrid, where they won uh, La Liga the, the year before. And losing games is something he hates, which is something he said in his, uh, his press conference when he first signed. And that was just evident of. He looked absolutely deflated, but he still stuck around, applauded the fans, and he was one of the very few that they could probably walk off with his hair, head still held high, to be honest. And Dex, do you think that's a strong trait of Kieran Trippier, that he's going to be barking orders at uh, all of his teammates, making sure that they you know, give it 100% the whole time, and if they, if they even think about waltzing off the pitch without you know, giving the fans a clap? I mean, it's a sold-out game, third yeah. round uh, yeah. against League One opposition. I think um, I think it's more trippier to be honest. I, I think the thing that disappointed me most about Saturday was Eddie Howe's post-match comments, and I kind of my heart sank. And I was like, God, this is like how Pardew and Bruce would talk. Right? It's like, you know, and I, I, what I was hoping was he might come out and say, you know, that it's unacceptable for us to be beaten off a League One team at home in front of fifty-two thousand fans. And it wasn't, it was, hey, I thought the body language is good. I didn't think we played badly. It's kind of, that's how low the standards have slipped that we can't beat a League One team and, and kind of call that out. So I think what, what, what the players need is I think they need a reality check. I think they need people to say, look, time for the arm around the shoulder is gone. You guys have won one game in 21. You're going down, right? You're already going down in history is the team Newcastle team with the worst ever start? Do you want to now be the one the players that take them down at the beginning of this new new era? So I think there's a I think what they need is a wake up call, and I think Trippy is the kind of person to do it. I think Chris Wood would be the kind of person to do it as well. So I think Eddie Howe's you know probably gone. I need to get players like this because look, it's I, I think it's tough for Howe, right? It's not like Steven Gerrard where that guy's played at the highest level. And when he talks to a player, that player listens. I think there might be just a little bit where the, you know, the players are thinking, hey, how you know, you've, you know, you've not played in a FA Cup final, you've not won a Premier League, why would I listen to you? So I think that you know, there might be a little, little bit of that going on where Eddie Howe needs to surround himself 
with that class of player like Trippier to be able to to really kind of push and do that leadership piece and and kind of call out the players and I, the cells did that really well right i think that's how he became captain because he did that under rafa yeah yeah i remember that well actually yeah um all right so i think we can agree that's two pretty decent uh signings to start things off with we've, we've got what uh two weeks until the end of the window we've still got a bunch of spaces that we need to fill i still think we need a proper left back um we definitely need a center back if not to midfield some kind of midfield destroyer i would absolutely love to have some destroyer type person in the middle there and another striker because you know if, if chris wood gets injured and wilson is still out we are once again absolutely shafted so with that said let's move on to what we see as some of the potential i mean there's lots of names flying around but let's have a look at some of the potential names that have been mentioned lately and craig i believe you want to start by talking about this young fella here i'm going to try and pronounce his name everyone knows i'm terrible at this hugo that's how I've heard it pronounced. You say his club name then, because I'm not going to bother. Rims, Rims. Nah, man, it's not. It's like oh, something like that. Nah, all right, we'll go with that then. Yeah, nah, I'm not going to have uh, my accent or uh, pronunciation as well. But um, this lad, apparently, um, to be honest, I've never even heard of him till his name was mentioned. What seventy-two hours ago? Maybe more than that. Um, apparently, he's the top. 19 year old across Europe, across all the big leagues, scored the most goals, got the most assists. I think he's got eight goals and three assists in uh, 900 minutes of football, which is pretty impressive. He's contributed more goals um, than what Wilson and St. Maximin have, and he's 19 years old. 19 year old, unbelievable. 19, yeah, it's unreal. And there's talk of him being the next Mbappe, the next Henri, the next David Trezeguet. And as far as praise goes for a Frenchman, it doesn't really get much higher than those three, does it? Uh, they are three world-class players on their day, probably above world-class uh, for Mbappe once he finally gets his move to Real Madrid. He's a one for the future. Could it be one for the present? Time will tell. Apparently the fee of around 25 million plus a few add-ons. And uh, the club he's at now, I won't try to pronounce it again, they want apparently to loan him back. Uh, for the remainder of the season, but we basically told them we think he's that good. He's going to go straight into the starting lineup. And this is coming direct from uh, an interview on Sky Sports. So we've definitely got high praise for him. And there's a lot of big clubs apparently chasing him. West Ham have quoted, I think someone said 13 million. Uh, they bid for him uh, about a week ago, and I think Wedge have jumped the gun and we've almost doubled that bid effectively. He's definitely a talent. And I don't like watching videos on YouTube of um, players because, you know, it can make anyone look good on there. Uh, Riviera looked pretty good on YouTube. And we all know what happened with him. But yeah, he's uh, he's definitely one for the, the future. Is he a one to take us forward right now, the position we're in? Probably not, but I'd love to be proven wrong, as I think we all would. And is his fee justified? I would absolutely say definitely yes. If we've just spent $25 million on a striker who's not necessarily coming at the end of his uh, career, but he's definitely coming in the plus 30s. Lad's 19. He's probably got another, what, 15 years in his game if uh, he stays fit properly. But 25 million is nothing. Drop in the ocean. Like you said, we're absolutely minted. So this is nothing. Bring him in, I say. Get him in. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, 25 million. What's that? That's no. Um, didn't yeah. you say on the on our private chat that he's on like something like 800 quid a week? 
825 quid a week uh, based on the exchange rate. Uh. Oh, the 25 quid makes a huge difference. I, um, <laughs> um, so I, he'll be, uh, he'll be, he'll be absolutely rolling in cash if this guy's through. Like, wouldn't he? He'll be out of the moon with that. But there again, 25 million is quite a big figure for a young lad. It, you're 80% confident he's going to come to the town. So you've obviously seen some good news on that. Uh, if they're talking about bringing him in straight away, we run the risk of playing a guy who doesn't know anything about the league. And, uh, you know, if all the expectations of saving the club from going down are on his shoulders, shared with Wood, of course, um, is, there, is there a chance it could just completely destroy the boy? I feel like that's a Newcastle way of doing something. It could very well. Um, confidence is a key thing, especially the position we're in. But again, from the footage I've seen, albeit a small amount of footage, he seems a very confident player. And that's self-confidence as well, from what I can tell. If he can come in, do his uh, few little tricks, he's not that ASM type of uh, footwork fancy, but he's got very, very fast feet. And I think, I mentioned this again in the private chat, if he can come in with his pace, and then we've got Wood with his head and ability, it's Bellamy Shearer-esque type partnership, which to me is the best we've ever had in the Premiership. Beats uh, Shearer and Ferdinand, if you ask me, uh, from a personal point of view. Uh, don't expect these two to get anywhere close to that, but if they can even get the the, the head and ability along with the pace, the hold-up play, everything out to bring other people in, definitely, why not? It's something that we've missed uh, having two people up front. When's the last time I played two up front? I can't remember. Don't know. It was probably a frigging disaster anyway. Um, Dex, anything, anything you know about this fella? Anything you've read? Anything you'd like to add? Mate, I don't know anything about the guy, um, so I'm going to trust in Craig and say, get him signed if what he's saying is right. Uh, that'll be the last thing. <laughs> that'll be the last thing you can do. Trust in Craig. All right. Um, let's get on to your pick, Dex. Um, oh, look at that. It's our own mate, Genie Winilum. The controversial one, I know. I know. The uh, I've put 10% chance of this happening, but only because I didn't want to spoil your debut uh, podcast with a zero. Um, but <laughs> I think it's fair to say this is pretty unlikely um, from what I've read anyway. So he's at PSG, of course. He's not, I don't think he's doing too well at the minute. He's 31. He's cracking on a bit. He's midfielder, obviously. My concern with this is that, and I think everyone will remember this, he was pretty good at home, but he was dog shit away from home. Like He'd basically just go missing. So anyway, Dex, that, that's me just destroying your pick straight off the bat there. Uh, why don't you give us your reasons why you think this would be um, something to consider for, for Newcastle? Well, I think, you know, it was his first season in the Premier League. Like, the other 10 players were dog shit away from home as well. So it's kind of pretty hard to judge him on that. I thought when the guy came here, and certainly the, the games that i seen him play in, yeah, you, you went missing, but when he was on song, I'd put him up there with, you know, it was kind of like watching Robert Lee again in that midfield role. We had not seen somebody box-to-box midfielder who could finish and was that dynamic for a long, long time. Um, he changed his game a bit when he went to Liverpool. Came more of what I would say was kind of not, not a holding midfielder, but I think it was somebody who really just orchestrated that midfield. And we've really missed that since Kabai's gone as well. So I think he's kind of one, look, the guy's a winner. He's going to come in for six months, give us some passing ability, some movement, some dynamism. And again, just I think we just need to get people into the, the squad who are winners, right? Who are accustomed to having high standards and playing that way. And look, I think the kind of guy, 
you know, he was really professional when he was here. Um, he's obviously achieved a lot in the game, and I think it could just be one of those ones that, hey, if it's six months, we're up shit creek anyway without a paddle. It's not going to get any worse. But could he be somebody that just turns some games for us? And Craig? Well, I'm going to piss on your chips yet, Dex, because I don't think that's going to happen as well. Um, I, very, I would probably get less than 10%, to be honest, unless he's told by PSG he's not wanted to go find another club, even if it is short term. There's no doubt you want to make uh, the Netherlands squad for um, the World Cup in Qatar. So that'll maybe be lingering at the back of his uh, mind there. I need some game time, unless he's one of these people that just guaranteed a position in the national squad. But there's a lot of quality through that Dutch team. Uh, that may be something that he needs. And if he can come into our squad and shine, then who knows? Definitely uh, got the ability. I think his time at Liverpool, um, what, four years, I think he spent at Liverpool, maybe a bit more, improved his game massively because he had better players around him and he had to raise his game to their level as well. And it hasn't worked for him at PSG, unfortunately. Uh, would I see him back at the tune? Absolutely. Can I see it happening? Absolutely not. Fair enough. I I don't think he's what we need right now. I, I would prefer to have someone who can destroy the midfield, like a Teotia type um player but yep fair enough all right genie um so mark was meant to be on this call he had to bail out uh his pick was going to be donny van der beek now all i know about this fella is that he's got blonde hair because i can see it on the screen there and he's not playing for man united i think i did read that um uh, ragnarok wants to keep on <laughs> maybe maybe until the end of the season but uh, that, that's about the limit of my knowledge on this fella. Um, I did ask my mate Joe, and he says he's class uh, when he gets a game. So, um, And he's in the midfield as well, of course. So, uh, Craig, anything you want to add about this fella before we move on? He had a similar situation to Gene, to be honest. He's not getting the game time. He'll want to be in the Dutch national squad for uh, the World Cup. His quality is unparalleled. If he was to come into our midfield right now, the difference literally would be black and white, between the qualities God compared to what we have right now. It is phenomenal. He came to that Ajax Academy with uh, a lot of quality players in there. And rumour has it Man United only signed them to stop other big clubs sniffing around them. And they're just not even playing them. The quality he's got is just phenomenal. Um, but yeah, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still sign him. Everybody else wants his player. Just make him yours. And he only came to England apparently because he's only a short flight away back to Holland. And now I'd imagine he's instantly regretting it, to be honest. Most players that come to that Ajax Academy turn out to be world-class players. And he's definitely up there. He's a player for the future. He's only 24. And his best years are ahead of him. But I don't think he'll be at Man United. Could we get him on loan? Definitely. Can we afford his wages? Definitely. Will Man United want a loan to us? I don't know. Um, that's the unlikely bit, because obviously Man United part of the corrupt big six. They will not want to do us any favours at all. But would the player want to come? I think so. Again, purely based on their his World Cup ambitions. Fair enough. I mean, it's fair to say like a, a polished turd on legs would embarrass our midfield right now. So uh, it's, not, it's not a huge claim you're making now about that. Uh, our midfield is utter turd. Uh, Dexter, anything you want to add about that? Uh, just that I've, I've heard that the reason he's not getting game time at Man U is they don't think he's got the physicality for the Premier League and that he kind of runs out of steam fairly quickly, which if right. that's the case, you know, kind of coming into a relegation battle with the players that he's got around him that he's going to gonna have at, at Newcastle, 
I'd kind of question whether he's going to, you know, hit the ground running. And we've we've had a few signings from France that have turned out to be that way inclined and just really skillful players, right? But just haven't got the, the physical presence to play in the or the or the tank to play in the Premier League. All right, one to watch then. I mean, it's great talking about all these players, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It? We would have been so, talking about Shefki Cookie a few years ago. Yeah. Hey, don't you don't you bad mouth Shefki Cookie. He's a legend. What about Trump right. Bonnet? I've got to get him in there somewhere. Oh no. We're not gonna do that, Rod. No, no. Well, well, get Charlie Austin on board, eh? But there have been some other names mentioned, so let's just spend two minutes, just two minutes talking about them. So recently we were linked to Frankie De Jong. I think was it you, Craig, in the chat saying that the Newcastle uh, hierarchy or trying to trying to get like a marquee sign in this this window, like a real statement sign in. That means you know Trippier and, and Wood certainly weren't that. Um, so would you be thinking Van der Beek or Frankie De Jong would be that marquee sign in type? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Even as a loan signing, I think it's still that marquee. I think coming from Barcelona uh, for Frankie is going to be that bit more of a marquee sign just because he comes from Barcelona, really, and. He's not getting the big push that everyone thought he would get at Barcelona. He's currently their highest earner since Messi left as well. And we all know Barcelona's financial situation. And they need him off the books as quick as possible. So whether we can take him on loan, I don't know if we can afford to pay all his wages, which I think is about €350,000 a week, which is just insane. Um, If we can pay half of that, then maybe. You never know. Uh, We could get him. Uh, Barcelona, they're up shit creek without a part of Cortex before, uh, financially. No, they had a big loan from uh, the government or whatever it was. But either way, they couldn't even afford to um, register Ferran Torres a few weeks ago. So they definitely need to get rid of him. Uh, could he be that marquee signing? There's definitely talk of it. A lot of, a lot of people mentioned on Twitter. And I think he's just even that next step above um, Donny van der Beek. He's just, yeah, they t- them two came through the academy together. They're pretty much best friends, apparently. And there's photos of them lifting there the the Eredivisie Cup when they're the both left Ajax together. He got a hero's welcome when he left to go to Barcelona. So he's definitely held in that uh, high regard. I think there's 10,000 people turn up at Ajax Airport and wave them off, which you don't really get that when somebody leaves a club, do you? Ah, fuck it, let's buy them both. Nah, why not? <laughs> Dex, very quickly, anything you want to add about Frankie de Jong or anyone else you might have heard? Just give us like uh, a minute's worth of Frankie De Jong would just be dreamland, right, if that happened. And I'd love to just, for the first time, tune into talk sport when they're talking about it. It's <laughs> oh, not fair, man. It's not, it's not fair. It's not fair, lads. <laughs> yeah, it'd be magic if he plays at Southampton as well. Hustle <laughs> mm. oh, Blard would lose his mind, wouldn't he? It'd be great. All right, so I think uh, it's fair to say there's some exciting times to, to come with these signings for the rest of this month. We have to press on though, we've run out of time, so we're going to leave it there for part one. We'll come back in part two and do a very quick preview of the Watford game. All right, Newcastle at home against Watford this weekend in what I think Jack said in the last podcast is probably the most important game in the last 50 years, and uh, that's probably putting it mildly. I'm going to pull up the table here just to give a bit of context to that. So, yeah, there we are, second bottom. Uh, a win, a paltry single win of the season, sandwiching a draw with three losses. 11 points, um, and we're two points away from Watford, as, who, are, as I said, we're going to play next. So we 
have to win this game. Um, I think that's fair to say. We have to win this game. If we look at our fixtures coming up, we've got Watford next, of course. Then we've got Leeds, Everton, Villa, before we then play West Ham. So there's a chance to pick up some points against some of these teams and get out of this bloody uh, relegation zone here. I don't know if we're going to be able to pull back Leeds into this. They've kind of opened up a little gap there now, six-point gap. But lads, I'll start with you first, X. It's a fairly important game, isn't it? I'd say this is an eight-pointer game. Um, eight-pointer. Yeah, eight-pointer. And why I say that is, you know, we've kind of been a, a little bit, um, you know, kind of uh, excited about getting Chris Wood and how it weakens Burnley. And that that's correct. But Watford play Burnley after they play Newcastle. So if we get beat off Watford and they beat Burnley, who we've weakened, we then go eight points behind. So or yep. potentially eight points behind. So I think you know it is the as you say the most important game. It's not a draw. We've got to go out to win. We have to now start going every single game with the mentality of this is an FA Cup final that we have to win. Yeah, um, it's quite important, uh, Craig. It goes without saying the importance of this game. It uh, has to be three points. Uh, a draw will be not disastrous, but it will not be welcome. A loss just doesn't even bear thinking about. Uh, three points is the bare minimum that we need here. It cannot be anything else, personally. Oh, I would agree. One point's going to be deflating. It'll be a full crowd, of course. Everyone's going to be on the on a high because we've got Chris Wood up well. I'll be on a high because we've got Chris Wood up front. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who are like, oh, what do you mean, Chris Wood, he's shit, and whatever. But as is always the case, but I'm going to be really excited to see how he gets in this team. I'm going to see uh, Trippier bombing down the wing, hopefully. We've got to get that win. Let's have a look at uh, what you reckon the formation is going to be, Craig. So you've you've got your pick. I already said before we did this podcast that um, Manquillo is unfortunately serving a ban. So you're going to have to replace him with someone. Who's your pick for his position, and then just talk us through why you've picked this formation as well as the players. Uh, well, swap on Q out for Dummett. Uh, Dummett made the bench against Cambridge, so I presume he's fit enough for a bit of game time. Don't think he'll complete the game, but I think giving him a run out would be doable. In what far on going to pose the biggest threat uh, compared to what, say, Man City or Liverpool would do. So he should have a, I don't use the word, an easier game, but it's something to just warm him back into the game with. Um, but then across the rest of the back, uh, we've got Lascelles, Shaw and Trippier. I think that's pretty much pits itself, to be honest. And in goal, as you can see, I've got two keepers there because I don't know if Dubravka is fit enough. He sustained a bit of an injury in the Cambridge game. Don't know whether he's managed to shake it off. Given the option between the two, I'd still, pre- still pick Dubravka over Darlow. Um, Darlow's horror show earlier part of the season kind of gets us where we are in terms of the league position. I remember Brentford. Um, midfield, starting on the, the left, we've got ASM, uh, then moving on to Shelby, Joe Linton sitting in the middle, Longstaff to uh, the right of him, and then Ryan Fraser on the, the, the right wing as well with Chris Wood um, up front. Basically, it's a 4-3-3 attacking formation. Uh, pull them back to maybe a 4-5-1 defensive formation when needed. It's going to be interesting to see how Trippier and Fraser work together on this one, I think. I love Fraser. I think he's a great player. I know he's been injured a fair bit, but um, he's getting up to that speed now, and I think he's going to be great. He went with Longstaff. He was a bit shit against Cambridge, wasn't he? Yeah, but so was um, Willock when he came on. Willock, he, he, he took one shot, and I'm pretty sure I smacked the angel of the north on the heat. It was absolutely atrocious. 
He was doing through balls without even looking. It just, I don't know where his head's at at the minute. He just doesn't seem to be in it. Brentford 30 grand a week, I think, is where his head's at. Probably, yeah. yeah. And, uh, based on his performance against them, not, well, most of them were, just he wasn't there. And Longstaff has that long passability, which we've seen a few times, um, when on the counter-attack. And he is a bit more of a defensive player than Willock as well, whereas Joel Linton can push forward. Uh, that's why I've gone for long stuff over Willock. Fair enough. Let's move on to your pick, Dex. Um, slightly different in, in a few little places here. You've obviously got Kraft at the back there, who is a disaster on legs, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> I've picked the four defenders, right? It's like Richie's not a left back, and I just, I, please, just let's never, ever, ever play Matt Richie at left back. <laughs> <laughs> just has to stop, has to stop. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm a big believer in you play defenders in defensive positions, particularly when you can see and shipping the goals that we are. Um, so that's the only kind of change I would make in where, where Craig was. If if um, Manquilo was available, I would have picked him. I think, Craig, you'd mentioned Dummett might might be available as well. I mean, if I'm not sure I'd throw him straight in, but it would be great to get him back because he actually is probably one of the best defenders we've got at the club, if if not the best, right? As in a, a, a true defender. But I've put Jacob Murphy on the, the left. I thought he did really well when he came on against Man U. He's, you know, he had a chance to score. He's looked pretty dangerous. He's created things. Um, Ryan Fraser, I agree with you, mate. It's like he, he's really, really looking sharp. And I was I was watching, I think it was the Man U highlights, and he was hounding down players, and i just seen it on YouTube, so it was a bit grainy. I thought it was Craig Bellamy from an old mm. clip, just like hustling and hunting players down. So it's great to see that he's got that appetite. Um, I've gone for two in midfield with Joe Linton and Shelby. I think you know Shelby dropping back a little bit, taking that ball out from defence, but I'd like to see, as I mentioned earlier, the defence hitting some longer balls, and rather than us always trying to play it out the back because... I think every team's now sussed on. If we just put a little bit of pressure onto their players, Shelby's going to be playing back passes that are going to be like through balls. So I'd like to see, um, you know, kind of him and him and Joel Linton maybe pushing a bit further up the pitch and putting some pressure on Watford. And then look, I think Sam Maximan in the number ten position. Um, he's been mm. throwing his toys out the the pram a lot. I watched an interview with him a, a few months ago. Where he said number ten's his favourite position. He obviously had a big love in with Brucey because he was like, "Yeah, go and just play wherever you want." I don't think he's kind of gelled and has. We haven't seen the best of him under Howe, and I just think with Wood up there, um, you know, he'll take some pressure away from Saint Maximan. Saint Maximan will create space for Wood. I think you know, I'm not going to say ever say it's going to be a Shira Bellamy combination, but with the players that we've got at our disposal, I think it's probably the best, the best we can do from an attacking threat. I think. The only issue I've got with Maxi in a number 10 is, again, is he going to pass the ball? It's only any good being there if he's going to feed through balls to Wood or whoever else might be in that area at the, at the time. If he's going to yeah. just try and take on the universe yeah. and kick, kick it off the stands, it's a waste of time. I mean, he does draw players, though. So I will, you know, I, I do see the benefit in that, certainly. Yeah, but All he right. ain't going to cross it. So at least if he's, you know, he gets tackled and it goes in the six-yard box, Wood might be there to bobble in, knock it in, right? So I think that was one of yeah. the things we've seen at Man U. Was yeah, we just didn't kill. have anybody in there to get on the end of stuff in the six-yard box? I think Wood's going to be tremendous for that sort of thing. Yeah. All right, cool. So um, just quickly on Watford, I don't really know much about them, but um, 
Now I've got a few of our old boys. Uh, Robbie Elliott's there. Danny Rose, who I think has been told he can leave. What a surprise. Uh, Dan Gosling's still there, I think. And of course, uh, our old mate, Musa Sissoko. Um, I think of those four I've just mentioned, he's about the only person who actually plays regularly. He, uh, yeah, he's one of those players, you just you don't know which version of Sissoko you're going to get from one game to the next, do you? Do we see him as being a threat in the middle as a kind of the dynamic box-to-box kind of midfielder? Is he still is he still doing that these days? I mean, what the hell is he doing at Watford? Does he, is he... In that same position, uh, Craig, I reckon you probably know about this. What are their general strengths and weaknesses? I think is their main striker up front. He's he's quite a threat, isn't he? I forget his name now. Um, I looked at the away games and they usually play a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-2-3-1. So um, when you think about your formations, is that going to feed into it at all? I've seen them play a lot of counter-attack football, um, but that opens them up big time to being on the counter-attack. The defence, it's... Not the worst. I mean, I think that's us, to be honest. Um, but it's not the best either. And one thing I've noticed as well, when they go a goal down, their heads drop big time. Uh, they suffer from uh, as if they've already lost the game, regardless of how quickly that goal's gone in. The formation they'll play, I think it'll depend on how Wales set up, to be honest. And getting on to Sissoko, he does still do that middle-of-the-park, box-to-box type thing. But good thing is for us, there's no TV cameras, so he's not going to perform very well, is he? <laughs> um, so that's going to be good. And I think him versus Joe Linton could be quite a healthy battle, to be honest. Uh, one that obviously we want Joe Linton to win. Joe Linton's definitely got the aerial ability over him. Pace-wise, I think Joe Linton's there as well, maybe just because he's a good few years younger. I think it, it could be where the batters won or lost in that middle, and it could be a crucial part of the game. Sissoko and like any other returning player against a former club, you always want to prove a point, don't you? So you'll always want to do that. You fail to do it against uh, us for Spurs, so you'll want to do it uh, uh, for Watford. Whether he'll do it or not, I don't know. The crowd will be on his back. You'll get the odd boo, the odd jeer and everything, I guess. Uh, mainly for the way you left the club as well, which, to be honest, was a bit shit. Um, but yeah, he's definitely the main centre focal piece in terms of how where they set up through the middle. Dex? Yeah, I mean the, the games that I've seen them play, you know, when when they're on it and you know they're on the counter attack, they're lethal. You know, that Everton, the Everton game, the Watford, the Man U game. You know, and let's face it, they beat Man U four one, and we can only win or, or get the one one draw. Um, I don't think they dominate the play like we did, um, but nonetheless, you know, they were pretty pretty um, surgical on the counter attack. So I think they've got a lot of pace. Really good finishing when they get opportunities as well. So I think that's something that we're really going to have to, as a team, defend on, which is, again, you know, why I want to see kind of craft in a full-back position and, and not Matt Ritchie. Because a lot of the goals come from from down from out wide and then cutting in. Fair enough. I, th- I think that's one reason not to play Dummett in that case, because he's slow as shit. <laughs> he's, yeah. And he'll probably end up pulling the bloody muscle if he's if he's trying too hard to run fast, you know. So uh, there again, the alternative is craft, probably. So oh, Jesus Christ! All right, well, um, let's uh, wrap this up, uh, this segment up anyway with a score prediction. I'm going to go for a two-one win. I reckon Wood's going to get one, and why not? Let's give the other one to Shelby. What do you reckon, Craig? Uh, I'm going to go with a clean sheet. I know it's a rarity these days, uh, and I'm going to go for a three-nil win. That's very optimistic. I know. Yeah. Uh, Woods score on his debut. Don't care where the other ones come through, come from. I just want Woods to get off uh, a flyer. I think it'll be quite a big performance. The crowd obviously is going to be a big impact. We just need everyone to be 
from that first whistle, just absolutely hounding their defence all the time. Uh, if we play like we did against Man United, we'll beat them quite comfortably. If we play like we did against Cambridge, we might as well be uh, tasting better pies in the championship. Well, we didn't have a strikeout against Cambridge, to be fair. And by Absolutely. the way, you've been you've been wrong on every prediction. So you're gonna you're gonna continue that continue that uh, theme, I think. Well, you know. Anyway, let's hope it's a win. It might not be a three 0 but let's hope it's a win. Dex, what's your score prediction, please? One one. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Dex, man, miserable bastard. We're just putting this thing. Bring yeah. on this thing to be all happy and cheerful. What do you mean one one? Look, I, I think I, I watched the full. 90 minutes of the Cambridge game and this team is going to have to do something special to, to win. So, uh, yeah, I've, if we could keep a clean sheet, I'd go for the 1-0, but I just don't see them doing it. Uh, all right. Bloody dose of Sorry, that sorry guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so you're, never, well, you're never coming back. <laughs> you're bored. But the thing is, every, right. every time I predict a win, right, we, we lose. So... I don't want to predict the win. So if I go with the draw, it's the same as bloody Craig, isn't it? He always predicts the win and we always end up losing. All right. Yeah. One one from Dick. Maybe maybe it could be the I could be the, the you know the lucky mascot, right? I predict a draw and we win. Maybe. That's your ticket to get back on the show. Yep. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna wrap it up. Thanks, lads. Uh, I'm gonna wrap this up now. Uh, just before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to my mate Joe, who runs the um, malt traders liquor store. Uh, it's a great place, full of whiskies, full of wines, full of gins, full of booze. Um, Joe knows his stuff. He's an absolute expert on all that kind of gear. Um, great bloke. He, um, well, I say he's a great bloke. He gave me a Christmas present, something that he didn't want, but for some reason he thought I'd want it. It's this. <laughs> That's right. The man, those... the, the magic. <laughs> The moron, Michael Owen. Yeah, it's a highlight reel of Michael Owen. So um, I think Joe's trying to tell me something. Thanks for nothing, Joe. I'll see you in hell. Um, all right. As always, thanks for watching or listening. Uh, we're available on Twitter at TuneUnderPod. Our website is TuneUnder.com. And we're also on YouTube, of course. And Facebook, please like, follow, subscribe. And especially give us your comments and feedback and any questions you might have as well. Um, and we're going to see you for the next episode, hopefully, which should be the Watford Live View on Sunday morning, Queensland time at one o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the morning for Sydney. Uh, people, that'll be me, Craig and Mark, if you can make it. And uh, yeah, that's going to be a hell of a watch, I think, Craig. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's going to be... Uh... Ask Twitch like a rabbit's nose 90 minutes type of game, I think, unless we make it very comfortable for ourselves. And if we prediction for 3-0 comes through, I'd say that is quite a comfortable win, hopefully. All right, uh, let's hope that does happen. All right, that'll do for us. Thanks very much for watching or listening. Everyone stay safe out there. It's getting crazy. And uh, thank you, Craig. And thank you, Dex. Thanks, chaps. It's been a pleasure. Yeah,